The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Father, and to the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle them the fire of thy love. Set forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Ghost. Grant us by that same spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. May the divine assistance remain always with us. And may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. O Mary, seat of wisdom, pray, pray for, for us. us. Then of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hello. Welcome to a special edition of What Catholics Believe. This is to uh, address some statements made recently, and uh, statements which are direct attacks on the integrity of the Church and her faith. Recently, a headline appeared reading, Francis, the Church must let go her traditions. The Church needs the courage of letting go her traditions. Pope Francis preached during a Mass for Caritas Internationalis on May 23rd. So we read in a statement made by uh, and appearing on the website EN Period News. The starting point was the decision of the Council of the Apostles. Francis's starting point for this alleged need for the Church to let go of her traditions uh, began in his mind with the Council of the Apostles, as we read in Acts 15, that pagans embracing the faith don't need to accept Judaism. Well, in fact, just to comment on this statement made and the ideas expressed by Francis, the Council of Jerusalem uh, was at the first meeting of the apostles to address the question of the Judaizers. The Judaizers at that time were claiming that uh, in order to become Christians, the pagans had to first embrace Judaism. And the, the Council of Jerusalem was held by the apostles to address that very, very question. St. Peter had already received the family of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, into the family directly, without that heathen family accepting Judaism. And so the controversy was blazing at that time and needed to be addressed. The apostles did address the question, and the answer they gave was that no, it was not necessary for pagans to become Jews before they could become Christians. Now the article in the EN News website said, Francis deduced from this that the first Christians left behind important religious traditions and precepts. But this is not true. These things were not left behind, but fulfilled. Then Francis fantasized that the early Christians did not need a, quote, pile of doctrines and traditions, end quote, but only the announcement that, quote, God is love, end quote disregarding that Catholic doctrine cannot be and never was reduced to a slogan. Francis speculated that Christ didn't tell his apostles many things so that the church would learn, 
quote, to renounce the desire for clarity and order, end quote. That's not true either. The EN News site reports, Christ promised his apostles the Holy Spirit who would teach them everything, while confusion and disorder are signs of the devil. Now, in the Sunday Bulletin for Immaculate Conception Church, last Sunday, I wrote a clarification on these comments in the EN News report about Francis' remarks to the Caritas Internationalis on May 23rd. And so what I say now is by way of clarification. Early in his reign of destruction, Francis proclaimed that the tradition of the Church is change. That is tantamount to saying that the only unchangeable thing about the Church is that the Church is constantly changing. No one should be surprised, therefore, to read the above modernist statements of Francis, or if one wishes to listen to the recorded words of his address to Caritas Internationalis, which can be heard in Italian, Francis tried to position his false teachings in terms of the Apostles' first council in Jerusalem in 51 AD, when they met to decide the problem of the Judaizers, who insisted that it was necessary to practice Judaism and to follow the law of Moses in order to become a Christian. The Acts of the Apostles tells us that the Apostles' decision that it was not required to be a practicing Jew in order to be a Christian. From this, Francis infers that the early Christians saw the need to leave behind the Jewish traditions in order to move on, and he teaches that Christians, Catholics, must also be willing to abandon the traditions of the Catholic Church. As the comment in E.N. News says, however, Francis is wrong. The traditions and the precepts of the Jewish law were not simply left behind, but were merely signs and figures which had been fulfilled by Christ and therefore were no longer relevant because the reality, Christ, had come. Francis wants to sweep away the traditions of the Catholic Church, the work of centuries of guidance from the Holy Ghost, which he contemptuously dismisses as a, quote, pile of doctrines and traditions. This explains how Francis sees the doctrine and tradition of the Church, things that he despises. He wants to substitute his own notions of what the Church should be and should do, as led by Francis's own, quote, spirit of surprises, to finally hold only the one doctrine Francis accepts, quote, God is love, the contemporary meaning of which is, of course, to be determined slowly by Francis and his fellow modernists in economic and social terms. In other words, socialism, redistribution of wealth. <clears throat> this is the one thing that seems to constantly come out of Francis's mouth when he talks about God's love. He talks about this world and the wealth of this world and the preeminence of the poor. This is the essence of the gospel, according to Francis. Now, Francis's spirit of surprises is not the Holy Ghost. Francis may be led by a spirit, but it is not the Holy Ghost that leads him, because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. And the truth that the Holy Ghost guides the church with is the truth of Christ. And so, as our Lord said, 
the Holy Ghost would come to bring to our minds all things that our Lord himself had taught us before, that he would not invent new doctrines. Whereas Francis's spirit seems to be a spirit of rejecting the teachings of the past in favor of new doctrines, which he simply refers to as a new understanding or a better understanding of the doctrines of Christ, in at least in Francis's own mind. And where do this entirely false account of the Church's history and this heretical notion of the Church's foundation of Francis lead? Of course, Francis's ideas lead inevitably to the rejection of clarity and order in the Church. Again, this is no surprise to those who remember Francis demanding that the young people go out and, quote, make a mess of the Church. Here we have fulfilled the words of Our Lady to Jacinta, that there would come a, quote, diabolical disorientation. And who can doubt that this diabolical disorientation has a name? The name is Bergoglio. A small group of clergy and academics in the Novus Ordo recently published a letter addressed to the New Order bishops in which they accused Francis of committing the delict of public heresy and calling upon the New Order hierarchy to take suitable action. In the course of the following weeks, hundreds of others endorsed the letter, accusing Francis of public heresy. Many others engaged in the controversy over whether or not Francis's teachings were heresy, whether or not he was pertinacious, whether or not it was allowed to even accuse him of heresy, whether or not it was opportune to accuse him of heresy, etc., etc. Finally, after two weeks, the Society of St. Pius X website, fsspx.news, published a statement which characterizes the letter accusing Francis of heresy as a, quote, extreme measure, which is a, quote, waste of time, and even suggests that it was disrespectful and was, as one subtitle says, a radical approach doomed to failure. The SSPX statement goes on to say that Archbishop Lefebvre himself did not and would not today resort to such confrontational tactics with what the modern SSP, SSPX leadership calls the shepherds of the church, including Francis and his bishops, many of them homosexuals, and favorable, favorable to homosexuality. Thus speaks the Reformed SSPX. Thus speaks the Reformed Society of St. Pius X. But those of us who knew Archbishop Lefebvre recall well his stirring denunciations of the modernists, and their blasphemies. Archbishop Lefebvre's voice was no uncertain, faltering, and compromising trumpet, but was a clear and ordered call to arms in the defense of the faith and the Church. Now this brings us to a consideration of the reason why Francis, who had just had the, the letter published accusing him of public heresy, a letter addressed to his bishops that he had created to do something about him and about his public heresy. Why Francis, in the wake of this challenge to him, accusing him of public heresy, would come out and make the remarks that he did to Caritas Internationalis, in which he says the church has to leave behind these traditions. Why would he go from an accusation of heresy to make such a bold statement that the church has to leave behind her traditions? 
One would think that Francis would do, as he has done in the past, kind of pull in his horns after being accused of modernism, accused of heresy, accused of whatever, and issue some quasi-Catholic statements that the conservatives could rally around and take comfort from and insist that Francis really was okay deep, deep down, and that his heretical statements were actually misunderstandings on his part or on their part. But Francis didn't do that this time. He followed up the accusation of heresy with a, a very bold statement for the church to leave behind her traditions and move on. <clears throat> the, the answer, I believe, is this, that Francis is being emboldened. He's being emboldened by the conservative Novus Ordo Catholics, as, as it were, those who, even those who accuse him of heresy. I think he finds that emboldening because he realizes that after the so-called dubia came out, and he ignored that for years. Now he's ignored that. Other accusations have arisen from time to time. And then the accusation of public heresy has come and generated nothing but controversy and bickering among the conservative Novus Ordo Catholics who disagree with each other. I think this has emboldened Francis to think that he can do or say anything he pleases and get away with it, and no one will dare stop him. This is the lesson that he has learned, and this is the lesson that I think has become very, very clear in the way the conservative Novus Ordo Catholics have handled things. So that this coming month, June, he's going to announce a, a radical restructuring, radical restructuring of the authority situation, the authority uh, measures in the church, the, the authority structures in the church. Francis is going to radically reorder these things around the dicastery, a super dicastery, which is going to be concerned about implementing the agenda of the modernists and the Masons and the liberals, the progressives and all the rest. That is going to be the focus of the super dicastery for the evangelization of peoples, which is actually even, even devouring the, congreg the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. So even the matter of the doctrines of the faith and their understanding He's going to be subject now to the idea of world outreach and imposing a worldview upon the world and its nations, which Francis has called for um, to police the, the nations of the world, a worldwide police force. This has been a standard call of all of the, the uh, pontiffs of the Novus Ordo since Vatican II, a world governing authority, which would have the authority to compel the nations of the world to abide by its economic agenda. Francis is just the latest statement. Francis is just the latest statement calling for a world police force to impose that order. And it's interesting that he calls for it just as he's about to restructure the authority in the Novus Ordo Church to implement that agenda of the United Nations, global climate, climate change, and all the rest. Okay. Now, I think it's very important for us to, to understand what's happening here with Francis, that he's being emboldened by the, the simple, um, you might say, um, almost impotency of the, of the Novus Ordo uh, conservatives to stop him, that they are actually feeding him, that they are saying, look, he's leading us down the primrose path of heresy, look, he's doing these terrible things, but there's nothing we can do to stop him because they insist he is the Pope. And they blame anybody who questions whether Francis is indeed the vicar of Christ on earth, not just the pontiff of the new order, but the supreme pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church and the vicar of Christ. 
they blame anyone who uh, detests that, who can test that, as being a sedivacantist. And this has always troubled me, that they've used the word sedivacantist and abused the word sedivacantist as a battering ram to strike down any opposition, not only to themselves, but to Francis and, and people like him, the Novus Ordo Pontiffs. And so I think it's a very important that we realize that, as I've said recently, and those of you who've seen some of the recent programs, there be a, a name depicting what they are doing. And that name, I believe, is Sedinigantism. I floated that in a couple of programs recently. And I think it does express, at least it does express in my mind, exactly what they're doing. The conservative Novus Ordo types who are recognizing the heresies of Francis now, but basically saying there's nothing to be done. Even appealing to his own uh, bishops, so-called, that he's appointed to uh, basically shield the homosexual predation in, the, in his church, appealing to them to stop Francis, uh, which is all the more an admission of absolute uh, powerlessness to withstand Francis and to stop him from his path of his reign of destruction. So, <clears throat> sedivacantism merely means that these are people who are actually negating the papacy. Francis doesn't believe in the papacy. Evidently, he never did. He did not believe in the Catholic papacy when he accepted the office as pontiff of the Novus Ordo. <laughs> and he's proven by the things he said and the things he's done since then that he has no belief in the papacy of the true Catholic Church as the successor of St. Peter, as the vicar of Christ. His intention is to destroy even the memory of the, of the true papacy and replace it with the Franciscan papacy, that is, the papacy of Francis. And, uh, in fact, the Novus Ordo uh, conservatives are empowering him to do so. They are even emboldening him, emboldening him to do so. By, by their attitude, well, he's the Pope and there's nothing we can do about it. So he can do whatever he pleases. And there's nobody who can stop him. Uh, this fatalistic approach actually plays right into the hands of the modernists, plays right into the hands of the enemies of the church. And these are the people, the conservative Novus Ordos, who are making it possible for Francis to do the damage he's doing. And uh, I, I would say that at the moment, they are the worst enemies of the church, even worse than Francis themselves, because... They are the ones who are insisting that he has the power to do what he's doing in dismantling the Roman Catholic Church, attacking her as an institution. Now, not only have they uh, falsified, well, unfortunately, the city of the Contests have been their own worst enemies because they claim that they have the power to uh, definitively and dogmatically decide the question of the papacy or lack of it of the Novus Ordo uh, pontiffs. Um, whereas I agree with their position, I, I, I disagree completely with the fact that their claim that they have the authority to decide this. They do not have the authority, they do not have magisterial authority to make that decision for all the Catholic souls in the world. But unfortunately, the Senegantis, the conservative Novus Ordo, who are upholding the papacy of Francis, Francis are very much like the Senegantis. The Sedinigantis, who condemn the Sedivacantism, are actually very much one with the Sedivacantis, because they're willing to say that, yes, the situation facing the church today is unprecedented. 
but that they, they claim to have the authority somehow to anticipate the judgment of the church and insisting that everybody must agree with their judgment that Francis is the Pope and one must not ever question that. Now, how can they say that the situation facing the church is unprecedented in its, in its gravity with Francis and yet then presume to pronounce the judgment of the church which they do not have in this unprecedented circumstance, which they do not have in this unprecedented situation. How can they presume to uh, anticipate that decision of the church by laying down their position as the only possible Catholic position? In that, they are guilty of the same crime, as far as I see it, of claiming that they are the magisterium of the Catholic Church, the same crime as the city of Acontis whom they denounce. I was trying to think of a, a term that would actually reflect what I think is the, the thought of not only myself, but so many of, other, of the other people I, I talk to. So many of the other Catholic people I talk to see the, the limitations in the state of Vicantus' position, even though they're in sympathy with it, they realize that neither they nor any of these other state of Vicantus have the authority to dogmatically define their position any more than the state of Gantis do the conservative Novus Ordos, who are demanding that everyone uh, bow before the papacy of Francis and that the church uh, bow her head and allow Francis to cut her head off, as it were, to execute her. Francis does not have the authority. And the question remains is, what what is the actual term that might apply to the position of those who simply want to protect the papacy and want to protect the church against the modernist um, uh, poison of Francis. Is there a term? Well, I think there could be. You see, the, the word in Latin, servo servare, which is the root from which we, we, we find the word conservative in English, servo servare means I protect or I guard or to protect and to guard. And servans means protecting or guarding. And I can't help but think that the term uh, sede servantist, sede servantist, actually reflects exactly my thought and my position. And as I say, what I believe to be the thought and position of so many other Catholic people in the world today, that they just want to protect the papacy and they want to protect the See of Peter. They want to protect the church against the modernists. And uh, this much we can do, this much we have not only the authority to do, this much we have the mandate from God and his church to do, to protect the church, to protect the faith. And the city Cervantists are those who want to uh, at least recognize that Francis does not have the authority to attack the church as he is doing, that the authority of Christ cannot be used to attack the church of Christ. It's simply out of the question. It, uh, it would insult uh, Almighty God and his divine son, Jesus Christ, with the blasphemy of almost uh, a schizophrenia. And uh, this would be blasphemous in applying this to our Lord. No one has the authority from God to attack God. Nobody has the authority from God to attack the cred credibility of God. Nobody has the authority from God to, um, shall we say, um, up, upstage what God has taught or to do away with it and replace it with something else of his own 
of his own imaginings, as Francis has continually done. And nobody has the authority to attack the structure of the church and to redesign the church in a way that is contrary to the way Christ founded it. Francis does not have the authority. And unfortunately, the St. Adagantus pretend that he does have the authority. The St. Adagantus deny him that authority, but they also claim that they have the authority, and they don't. Sede uh, Cervantism, I believe, actually states clearly the real position that any Catholic would have today, and that is that we must realize that we have to protect the Church, the Holy See, we have to protect the faith and the traditional Catholic religion from the depredation of a marauding modernist named Francis, who pretends that he has the authority to, as it were, uh, veto what Christ has done, and even to dismiss what the Holy Ghost has guided the Church to do for all of these centuries in her traditions and in her doctrines. Francis does not have that authority. So what he says to the meeting, the Caritas Internationalis meeting of May 23rd, is an abomination, and no Catholic can subscribe to it. No Catholic can empower it, and no Catholic can embolden the man who claims he has the authority to make it happen of letting go the church traditions and the doctrines of the Catholic faith under the, the guise of a, of a false spirit, a toxic spirit, a malevolent spirit called Francis's spirit of surprises. This is not the Holy Ghost. This is not the spirit of truth. For those of us who will hold on to a position, I think described well by the term serious servants, serious servantists, then we must still guard Catholic tradition, the true work of the true third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Ghost, against all who would attack it, including Francis. He has no authority to dismantle the teachings of the Church, her doctrines, or her tra- tra- traditions. We must insist that he has no authority to do that, not from God. May God bless you.